Welcome everybody to Bowery Boogie on Cap with Rebel Mouth. I want to give a special shout out to my friends over at Bowery Boogie. I'd be down with cool. So when they do that, they reach out to Bowery Boogie. I grew up in the Bronx. I came to the States in 1967. Bowery Boogie on Cap with Rebel Mouth. Welcome, everybody, to Bowery Boogie Uncapped. I am your host, Rebel Knowledge, and tonight I'm here with Brass as my co-host, and we are interviewing the one and only Crime79. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Hey, what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, welcome to the podcast, Crime. Yeah, it's been a while, man. We've had a couple of conversations uh, around this, and it just never happened. You know, life gets in the way, COVID. Whatever, but uh, at the end of the day, we're here. Yep, better late than never. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right into these. Let's just jump right into it. You want to jump right into it? <laughs> yeah. Right, jump right into it. First question, how did you get the 79? Where did the 79 come from? Ah, um, like every graffiti writer, I think that we go to three or four names before we get to a certain name. And I started writing crime. And I think that my reach was only, you know, within the Brooklyn area. And, you know, it's not like we research throughout the whole city where there's another crime. And what happened was I started seeing somebody write, write crime too, uh, you know, on the inside. And at that point I had already invested like a year of writing crime. So I said I was not going to give it up because I had gone through about three or four other names. I'm not giving up this name. So... That was just about when we were approaching 1979, and it just worked out. Crime, 79, okay. close to 79, and, you know, I had to differentiate myself from the guy, and I guess I, I, I won, the, won the race in that, that short battle. <laughs> and uh, the guy just disappeared, you know? <laughs> guess you outshined him. There's a lot now, of information about you on the Internet. Um, I was doing a little reading um mm-hmm. to familiarize myself with what like i guess your art career you're one of yeah. the first artists that was a graffiti writer that was able to successfully transition into legitimate art galleries um so for those people listening uh what i guess let's take us back to when you started writing and then how you made that transition we don't think um, a lot of people know that well, what happened was that um, there came a time when, you know, it, uh, during that time, graffiti writers were always scared about the 18-year-old limit. You know, you're 18, you're going to be prosecuted as an adult. So people kind of like around 18, they kind of started thinking about stopping what they were doing. Um, what people don't know is a graffiti writer's career is very short. Um, it's it's the max is four years, at least back in the 80s. It was about four years. You know, 15, 16, 17, 18, you're done and you're moving on. Um, I was fortunate that there was a Henry did a, a gallery show, and I was just, you know, uh, you know uh, amazed the show that he did of uh, showing uh, trains at the O.K. Harris Gallery out in the, in the, um, in the East Village. And I connected with some people, and we ended up uh, connecting and, and going, uh, creating a collective called the Soul Artist Gallery. And the Soul Artist was a whole bunch of artists that um, would get together once a week, and we were talking about propelling this art movement into the gallery scene. And uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, Dondi, uh, Futura, Zephyr at that time. Uh, Keith Haring we used to come around, uh, you know, uh, who else? Tank was around. And we would every Monday night to try to uh, to make this an actual art movement. It was a collective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you know, after two or three, you know, shows in uh, in the, the, the East Village, it it, uh, it spawned this movement as far as going into the art gallery scene. Okay. So, but when did you actually start writing graffiti? I would say that I'm going to go back to 1977. But 77, just like every other graffiti writer, I'm writing, I'm writing in the hallways, 
I'm writing on mailboxes. I'm writing in the street, you know. Mm. It wasn't until about the summer of 79 that um, a couple of people said, you know, you can't be doing that. You know, you got to earn your bones. You have to paint on a train. So they took me, and um, I ended up, you know, riding on the outside of a train. And then I started doing insides. And from then on, those initial people that I started out with, they, they took it as a hobby, and I fell in love with it. Those people ended up not writing anymore, and then I just, you know, I just fell in love with it, and um, I ended up going by myself for a long time. I was about seventy, yeah, about seventy-nine, yeah, about seventy-nine. I started, you know, writing by myself, and you know, and painting, and you know, and uh, from then on, it, uh, you know, it was it was an addiction. So, you, well, I know you're from East New York. As other graffiti writers, you know, coming out of East New York, yeah, you like the generations before us. So, a lot you inspired a lot of people in East New York to write. Who are some of the people in East New York that inspired you? You know, I was fortunate. You know, I would um, write. In fact, that that leads to the reason why I started writing. Um, in East New York, I would see these gigantic tags. You know, it was Dyke, Top, Mickey, Sid the Kid, Naco. These are gigantic tags, and I fell in love with the fact that I, I, you know, I, I'd walked down the street one day, it wasn't there, and all of a sudden, it, it appeared. Who were these people? How how big were these people? You know, how did they look? You know, and, and it was just like it was just like you know Christmas. You know, you, you go to sleep one night, it wasn't there, and one day it was there. Um, so I was fortunate to 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 live down the block from the original, uh, what would you call the original uh, top crew. Dyke Top, Sid the Kid, Flynn, uh, you know, and that spawned other uh, crews, which was CIA, which, mm-hmm. which, you know, which is Duro and Dante, um, Kissed, you know, and them guys. Um, those, are first, those are the guys I looked up to, and today I still look, to them, look up to them. So since you brought up Dante, well, I mean... Uh, the world still mourns him, and so yeah. he was a friend of yours. Well, what happens is that this is this is. I was not able to paint with Dondi. Dondi was in the neighborhood, but what happened was that Dondi Dondi's birthday this year would be sixty, so he was a couple of years older than me. And right now, it doesn't make a difference. But when you're sixteen and this person's already eighteen, they've already accomplished things that you haven't accomplished yet. Right. You know, when I got on the letter line. He had already mastered the letter lines, and he even moved on to the to the to the number lines. You know, um, he you know he was two years ahead of me. So in, in the graffiti world, it's not like today that you yeah, just call the guy up and just paint. Back then, you know, you kept your crew and you kept your people tight. You only painted with three or four people. That's how it is. You were, it's almost like the mafia. You were you had to be invited in. So. Um, Although that he was in the neighborhood, I knew he was, he knew who I was, I was not able to paint with him. But what ha- ended up happening was I ended up painting with a lot of other guys from the CIA because at that point, Sandy had moved into the number lines and he was, you know, he was, he moved on to other things. And then when I moved on to the number lines, he had moved into the art gallery. So we didn't get to paint because he had a very small crew to paint with. If you notice that wherever he painted, he only painted with three or four guys. Right. But he was, you know, he was a New York, East New York native, and he was always around. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he, he, his work. I saw his work, and his work influenced me, um, because you're, you're you're influenced by whatever you see, whatever's around you. Um, if you notice that people say, uh, "Oh, you got a Broadway style, you got a Bronx style, you got a Brooklyn mm-hmm. style." You're only going to be influenced by what you see around you. So, I mean, growing up in East New York, I, you know, we would just be on rooftops with pigeon coops and just, just, just benching trains all day. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you emulate what you see and then you, you know, you twist it, you know, um, to your style. So, um, I was heavily influenced by, you know, the Brooklyn style of, uh, of Dante. 
Right. So what would you say the Brooklyn style is, though, like it's in layman's terms for people that might not be familiar with it? Wow, that's hard to describe. <laughs> um, it's it's just the style. I mean, it's uh, it's just the flow. I mean, I I can't explain it um, in layman's terms. Wow. Okay, it's we'll just get back different... to that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 just hard to explain. You know, it's just there's a Bronx style, there's a Brooklyn style, there's a, a, a uptown style, there's a Broadway style, there's an I and D style. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you really think about it, you know, if you speak to somebody from Long Island, they have an accent in Long Island in comparison to someone right. from Brooklyn and Queens. It's very slight and it is, it's hard to describe it, but it does exist. Right. And that's how we, we used to look at people and say, oh, this guy's from, you're from the numbers, right? You're from the one line, you know, you can just tell. So in the years, uh, I'd say Lane, let's go to Lane years, right? When you went to Lane, a lot yeah. of writers came out of Lane, a lot of Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lane. What is up yeah. with that school and pumping out graffiti writing? <laughs> yeah. It just ended up working out that way. <laughs> For yeah. years, that, that school has always pushed out graffiti writers. Because I think that that's, that, that school, in fact, there is a... Um, the actual school, the middle of the school, runs the borderline between Brooklyn and Queens. Half the school is in Brooklyn, half the school is in Queens. Uh, so I think that um, I think that you know back then I don't know if it still works the same way that with the zone schools, um, you'd gravitate people from Queens and you grab people from Brooklyn, um, and you know it was a huge school. It's a city. It's a huge school, um, and um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you paint at the school? Because don't they have like a, what was it, not the basketball court or some court where everybody used to paint? That was after I left. Um, but I um, I was instrumental in starting what is called a mural program in the school. Um, because at that time, you know, I had to, uh, <laughs> I had to graduate. I had to find a way to graduate. So, um you know, I you know, art is what I was into. So I I try to find a way to um, to create a couple of credits by developing a mural program there. Um, so I painted a lot of uh, walls in the school, but the handball courts came after I left. It came years after I left. And to be honest with you, I had left the scene at that time. I stopped painting, so I was never able to paint back there in the handball courts. Oh no. You should no. get that, like, your goals. <laughs> yeah, I never got to paint there. Never. I, I went there at, at the end because I heard that people were painting there. And I was right. able to go and see it. But, um, you know, we're talking about a time that, you know, there's no there's no email. There's no beeper. There's no texting. Yeah. And, and if you're not finding the people that are in charge of that, it, 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 never, it never happened, you know? Um, nowadays, everybody's just interconnected, you know? Mm. Let me ask you a question yeah. about rooftop. Yeah. Norwood? You know, yeah. So many people have told <laughs> you know me about, about that. Right? <laughs> yeah. That rooftop you know, stood there, it held the test of time. Because it stood there for the longest time. Yes, it did. Yes, for the longest you know. time. And even when someone went over, your character still stood there. Yes. Yes. So where it is it? It uh, it was in Brooklyn, East New York. You know, the funny thing is, uh, later in the years, I, I had worked with LL Cool J, and LL used to come from from you know Queens. Queens. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, down by uh, you know on the on the on the end of the J line to come into the city. And when I met him, he told me about this. I I remember seeing this, and so I know that that it was impactful to a lot of people. It just oh yeah, it was it was in your face. You couldn't miss it. Yeah. 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 I, I I would not even though they went over it. I went and I found another rooftop on Highland Place, uh, over the uh, the it was like mechanic shop, and there was a house you walked to the back. Not yeah. to even go over that spot because there's so much respect for that piece. It lasted so long, even though it's faded out and everything. You know, it, it just it was just something that growing up I always saw it there. You know, everybody did. Yeah, everybody, and it, it wasn't meant for that reason, but uh, it just. If I had known it would it would have grabbed that much attention, I would have made something just much bigger. 
Um, what happened was that my friend lived there. So he had a pigeon coop up there. So he would, he's, he's Pike. <laughs> That's why he's crying Pike. And um, he said, you know, I have access to this and, you know, we can paint it. And I remember painting it. And as I was painting it, um, in the daytime, people were watching me. I had a crowd on the train station. I had a crowd on the train station. Police would come, and then I'd stop, you know. Um, but it was daytime going into the nighttime, and I had a crowd on the train station watching me doing that. That's a cool feeling. Yeah. Do you again? You mean like today? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's make, make that happen. happen. You want to make that happen? Let's make that happen. That's history. You know, yeah. you know, the thing is, my friend no longer lives there. You know, we have oh, no. access through there. Um, but, I mean, I, it, it has it has come in my mind to the point of saying, hey, listen, because I, I haven't been by there in a long time, at, at least not on the train, so I don't know what garbage is up there. But it's going to be clean, man. Huh? <laughs> it's clean. It's not, not clean like that, but, you know, it's no one, like, no, you know, this is just, I don't want to insult nobody's art. There's yeah. nothing of value right now, you know? Right. But I, I had thought my mind to to uh, approach the owner and say, look, this is what I did 30 years ago. Um, I'd like to revisit it and do it again. And uh, would I have your permission? I think at this point right now, being that it's probably not clean and it doesn't probably look somewhat attractive, I think that he would go for it. But um, But then again, who would look at it? Who would see it? Who cares? Um, everyone, everyone, graffiti. Yeah, 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 maybe. You know what? It's nostalgic. Just to, let's say, like, if you're coming home one day from the train and you used to seeing, you grew up seeing that there, and you just yeah. pull up in the train and you look to the right and it's there again, like, you know, that's, that's you know, it's a look at how excited Brass is getting about yeah. it. Yeah, like, I grew up it's part that. of his childhood, man. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. I've thought about it. It has come across my mind. I can make it happen. <laughs> Do you know the people? Oh, I know more than the people through there. Oh, yeah, right. I know the community. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm we'll talk about this when we're not on the air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it has crossed my mind. In fact, um, it has garnered so much attention that um, it's it's. Um, I'm working on a book. Okay. Good for you. And, yeah, I'm working. Well, the last three years I've been working on a book, and that is. It, it's it's got to be two or three pages of the book because it has just garnered so much attention. Um, to the rest of the world, it may not be something, but it's something that a lot of people have just brought up to me. Oh my God, that inspired me. You know, at the time that was so, so you know, so ahead of his time. Um, so, you know, it affected people. Instead of since it affected people, I think that I I, I have to let other people know that. Um, you know, this occurred. You know, it's it's. I think we live through our stories. You know, and if these stories are not said, they die. They die yeah. with me. They die with you. They die with everybody else. Yeah. Well, since this is not a visual podcast, yeah, um, unfortunately, <laughs> can we can we sort of describe what the piece looks like or what it looked like? It was uh, I, since uh, my friend granted me access up there. His name was Pike. So I did a crime pike, and it had like one of uh, like one or two characters on the ends. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't meant to. You know, it wasn't. To be honest with you, it wasn't planned. It wasn't like something that was um, sketched and uh, pre-planned, and you know, it, it was just something that we did. And you know, I think that during that time that I did it, I was at the height of my graffiti, so my style has had evolved already. Um, so I didn't think nothing of it, but then, you know, 20, 25 years later, people constantly remind me of that. So I, I, I'm, I'm glad that it inspired or affected somebody. A lot of people. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Back. We need to put it back up there so it keeps inspiring people. I think so. Back. I think yeah. so. I, 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 we'll talk on the, uh, off the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so after Franklin K. Lane, where did you? You said you took a break from art. No, what happened was I I kept I kept the art gallery scene. All right. 
Um, but like everybody, you know, once you leave high school, you know, you, you reach this point where you have to somewhat be an adult, you know, you got parents looking at you like, you know, what's next for you, you know? <laughs> so what I did was, um, I, um, was very fortunate to have a, a, a great art teacher in Lane. And that person said, you know, you, you, you're, whatever you're doing, you're, you're doing stuff that, that people that are classically trained are not doing, you know, you really got to do something with this thing. Don't, don't let it go. And, you know, speaking to some kid from Eastern Europe that's, that's just looking at things that, you know, just, there's no future. Um, that gave me the impulse to, you know, really continue in a creative field. Um, so I enrolled in um, School of Visual Arts, and I took some courses in it. I was still painting in art galleries, but, you know, since we were the first group of people that were doing it, um, you know, you would make $100, you would make $200 every now and then. Maybe you might make $400. So it, was, it was here and there. It was, it was just the start of it. And the fact, the problem of, of being the first ones to do it is that you've been, you're ridiculed. You know, you're laughed at. You're like, that's not art. What are you doing? That's graffiti. That's vandalism. So I went through a lot of years of that. And um, when you're the first people that are doing it, you, you're, you're ridiculed. You know, it's, it's, it took a long time to get where we are at took a long time because the, 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 the forefathers of this, the people that first got into the art galleries, we were laughed at. It was a joke. And, um, you know, after a while, it got to the point that, you know, I, I, I was going to be an adult and I, I, I had to find a way to, uh, you know, monetize this. So the way that I decided to monetize it was to go into graphic design. Oh, and great. Yeah, I studied graphic design. I got into graphic design. I worked in uh, ad agencies. I worked, um, <clears throat> then I, I got involved in the printing industry. And I found a way to monetize that. And, you know, flash forward to today, I've, you know, I've been in the printing, photography, graphic design business for the last 35 years. So I have been in a creative form since day one. Um, the graffiti just didn't pay the bills back in 1981, 82, you know, 83, 84. It just, it just didn't. There are some people that went overseas and, uh, they were able to monetize it somewhat, but those first guys that went overseas, I mean, these guys were paying their own way. They were paying for their own hotels and they were showing the galleries and they weren't making anything. Um, you know, respect to those people that, you know, you know, first took those trips and did that. Um, and nobody knows that. And those guys are still, some of those guys, you know, they just kept going, kept going, and and they've uh, they've built a, a very good career for themselves. Um, so I ended up, you know, graphic design, printing, photography, special effects, and every now and then I'd peek my head into the, in the art gallery scene. Um, but... You know, it would be on and off and on and off. People would like it, and they would fall in love with it, and they'd fall out of love with it. And, um, you know, flash forward to where we are today. So what do you think of that? And I say today, what do you think of generations of graffiti writers today? It's about in the art gallery scene or graffiti writers? Graffiti, well, let's say graffiti artists. I don't want to say just writers, graffiti artists in general, like doing pieces and being able to, like, you know, being multi, being able to do both, like, bombs and still do pieces and, you know. Well, I think that the, the whole graffiti world has been fragmented, so to speak. You have your bombers, you know, they're out in the streets. They don't give a damn about the art gallery. They want to bomb. You know, they're rebels. They just want to be out there, destroy shit. That's what they are, you know. Then you have the people that... um they just want to paint walls and do murals and do beautiful stuff, you know? And they've elevated this art form to the next level. I mean, it, 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 I look at some of this stuff and it's like amazing what they paint. 
they've really taken it to the next level. And then you have the people that are in the art galleries. You know, it's 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 just fragmented that way, in a good way. Usually, right. people don't go. You know, if you're in the art gallery, you're not out there bombing. You know? um, as far as the art movement, you know, the, the sad thing about being one of the pioneers of it, one of the first people that painted back in the train, is that you know the next generation always does it better and better and better and better. And I see guys that paint out in Europe and they do amazing stuff, amazing stuff. You know, it's just like the rap industry. I mean, there's some guys that, the first guys that started this rap stuff, a lot of these guys are still living in the projects, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you have guys that, you know, like a 50 cent that's worth, you know, many millions of dollars. And, you know, it just gets getting better and better. Um, I can't, you know, you can't compare somebody that, that wrote in 1971 because in 71, you just had these little sticks that people were writing. And then you flash more forward to, it's true. You yeah. know? Yeah. They're writing little sticks because yeah. that's where the evolution was. And then somebody would probably put a little cloud. Then somebody decided to put a little character next to it. And then somebody came up with twisting the letter, added an arrow, wild styles, top to bottoms, characters. It, it, you know, everything has its evolution. Um, it evolved. So, you know, people say, well, what do you think of these guys that are doing these amazing pieces? Yeah, they do amazing pieces. They got a wall. They got low-pressure paint. They got 20 different tips to put on it, and they got eight hours to do it. Try to paint in a pitch-dark tunnel. You got 12 flavors. You got one cap, okay? And you're watching your back, and there's rats running back and forth, you know? Try to do that in the dark. So when yeah. people on the trains, you know, sometimes you might see that it looks a little bit childish, but you got to realize, you know, these are kids like me. I'm 15, 16 years old, and I'm trying to reach this train that is literally 10 feet up in the air. I have, you know, 12 different flavors. I have one cap to do this in. There's police around, and I literally have four feet to go back up, if that to do that it's it, you know those factors alone are pretty amazing the fact that if you look at any of these dandy trains especially like it's just a block letter it's just a block letter but just to just to be able to the symmetry in that to do block letters so perfectly on a train is amazing and yeah. you're 16 years old have no kind of um artistic um um, education. You have to, you know, you have to, it's amazing what was done between 1979 and 18, 1985. I, have, I didn't have any formal training to blend, to paint, to draw. No one sat me down and taught me that. So the stuff that you see on the trains, the, why, the reason why it's so important is all that was done organically. It just happened. So flash forward to the stuff you have today, you know, you got people using projectors, people, you know, using light tables, people, you know, that are people that have gone through four years of college of, of art. We didn't have that. It was just organically done. We did it just to have fun. We weren't taking pictures. We weren't documenting this thing. Every time you take a stroke on a train, you got to put your foot on the third rail and raise yourself up and paint. Sometimes you don't hit that board on the third rail, it's something else. So, I mean, there was a lot of factors involved. A lot it was of factors. Like a, like a mini moat instead of a fake third rail. So yes. if you hit that shit, your foot's getting wet. Yeah, right? Yeah. And you're, you're, you're disqualified, right? <laughs> we, we connect a stun gun to it, too. You know, so they just like, give you a little shot. I do not want to call yeah, right? a heart attack. You just said people are up in age. Like, come on, man. I know, right? You want to get heart attack, you know? No, so, um, I mean, I'm not, it's just the stuff that I see, you know, sometimes it may be, look a little childish, but you, there's a lot of, you know, you got to grade it on a curve. Um, I mean, the stuff that I see that, that was created at that time, I'm like, oh, wow. How did they do that at the time? You had no formal education. You had a skinny cap. You had a fat cap that you'd steal from the spray starch. You had maybe 20 flavors. That's it. Maybe you had to steal it. You 
had to do it in the pitch at night. You had to do it, and you had to get you know you had to get out of your house from your parents to do it. Yeah. You know, um, I was fortunate. You know, some people weren't fortunate. I was fortunate that, um, you know, my parents let me be. They let me be. They let me. You know, they knew what I was doing. They knew what I was doing. Um, and you know, to do what I had to do, I'm doing it at one, two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. You know, coming in the house. They never said anything to you, like, "Yo, what's going on?" They never said, "Like, where have you been? Why are you covered in paint?" No, uh, I think I think that I think I'm just guessing here. I think that you know, growing up in East New York, you know, there, there was a lot of problems. You know, you you were a stick up kid. Um, you sold drugs. Um, you were a gangbanger because there was a lot of gangs back then. Or you were a graffiti writer. Yeah. Now, I, I'm guessing that my parents, you know, thought that, that you know, he's painting on a train. You know, you're not selling drugs. You're not killing anybody. Not sticking anybody up. You know, he's being, you know, adventurous. You know, okay. so I was I was left to do what I was doing. Um, you know, and, um, it, um, you know, if I had not done that, you know, I would have been doing something else. So, you know, you've heard this, this term that people say graffiti saved my life. Yeah. It, it, it really did save my life because when you're in the hood and, you know, you're not an outlaw, then people see you as an outlaw. You know, if you're a square so I had to be involved in something, and that was that was my way out. And you know, back in the days, man, if you were a graffiti writer in the times, of, you know, the eighties of drugs and gangs and stuff like that, you were respected, man. I had all, you know, I had all the people that that people feared in that neighborhood respect me, you know. You know, because I just I, it back to Lane when you were at Lane, it, wasn't you guys like embroiled in race wars? That was a little bit before me. Oh. That was a little bit before me. Yeah. Um, you know, like you, freaking John Gotti went there. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, that was a little bit before me, though. Um, the beautiful thing about hip hop is that it brought everybody together. You either dance, you wrote graffiti, or you. You uh, you know you 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 listen to music or a DJ. It kind of brought everybody together because you know the essence of, of hip hop was just one thing. It was just a voice. That's all it is. It was us giving us a voice. That's all graffiti really was. It was a bunch of kids that didn't have a voice. They wanted to be heard, and this is a way that we want to express ourselves. Um, but East New York, East New York didn't have no. Didn't have no art programs. There was no YMCA with an art program. There was no basketball program or a little league that you joined in, in other posh neighborhoods. This was East New York in the eighties. And this is what we did. This was our pastime. We painted. So I asked everybody a question in every episode. <laughs> Go ahead, ask them the question, Bowers. Oh man. Wait, no. <laughs> you have yeah. to do it. Well, okay, what song, like any genre, but just one song, takes you back to, like, the heyday of when you were writing? Like, when you hear it, you feel like you were transported back in time. It's going to sound, it's going to sound square, <laughs> but for some reason, this, there was a lot of weed in them days, okay? So. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, um, you ever heard of a song called "It's Just an Illusion"? Yeah, of course. That song sticks out in my mind. Yeah, I don't know why, but I have this this thing that repeats in my mind. I'm on Broadway, East New York. Right, I'm there with me, Baby One Sixty Eight, PG, and I think Guru. I think Duro Duro was there at PL. And, you know, um, we were really, uh, we were really smoked out. You know, we were smoking <laughs> all, yeah, we were smoking, you know, we were, we were smoking 
smoking all day. You know, the whole idea was just paint, smoke, paint, smoke, paint, smoke. You know, you're living a life, and, you know, that's, that's the life, you know? And that, for some reason, that song sticks out in my mind. We, we were just benching training to it. It just stays in my mind, you know? Sorry that it's not, you know, rapper's delight, but unfortunately, uh-huh. that's what sticks out in my mind. That's a great song. No, there's no <laughs> problem with that. Yeah. So you actually did an album cover, right? Uh, well, it wasn't an album cover. I did um, I did a a uh, what do you call it? A uh, a CD for a Tony Touch. Oh, Tony okay. Touch is one of his CDs. Uh-huh. Yeah. From Bushwick. Huh? Tony Touch from Bushwick, right? Tony well, Touch. Yeah, this is a funny story. This is the funny story. Uh-oh. When I was a, this is the funny story. When I was a writer, I literally, you know, we call it living the life, okay? So when I was a writer, I literally went home. I ate. I left the house the next morning, and the, the mission was to go out and get paint and then get money to get high to go to the yard. So we'd go and steal paint, and then we'd have to steal coffee and shampoo and tuna fish, okay? Yeah. You'd go to the supermarkets and you'd steal coffee, shampoo, and tuna fish because those are just plain commodities. So you'd steal that and you'd go to the bodegas. And if the shampoo was $2, the bodegas would give you a dollar, you know? You had $5 to buy, you know, some beer, a blunt, weed, get high, to paint at the nighttime. What do you um, do with the tuna fish? Because it's a packaged item, you know, it's easy to steal. Uh, you, you, you sell it to it? the bodega. You sell it to oh, the bodega. Oh, I see what you okay. You know, if it's two dollars in the supermarket, you sell it to them for a dollar. You know, uh, coffee is a, a big commodity. If it's three dollars, they'll give you two dollars for it, a dollar fifty. You know, you end up, you know, back then you buy a one, a pack of cigarettes and beer. You know, five dollars, you're good. You know, that should get high for tonight. So. I'm, I'm straying away from what I'm trying to say. But so <laughs> I, would just come, I would just go home, sleep, go out, sleep, go out. The funny thing is that five doors away from me, Tony Touch was living there. So mm-hmm. he would see me, I would see him, I'd say, hey, what's up, what's up, what's up, never knowing who we really were, you know? <laughs> so flash forward years later, um, I connected with him, and he said, "You know, I, you know, uh, I, I, I want you to do one of one of my um, one of my CDs. Um, you know, the connections of, of East New York. So he's really from East New York, but I think somehow people connect him with Bushwick. Later on in life, he moved out to Bushwick, but he was on Ashwood Street between Fulton. I mean, Ashwood between Arlington and Ridgewood. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's where I lived at Ashwood between Arlington and Ridgewood by the library." Right up the block from the library. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I oh, love this. And the city line, he's also your, uh, well, Rebel. I mean, Ari is Rebel. You, you what, you don't know my name now? <laughs> yeah, I got stuck there. Yeah. <laughs> the library, like my brain just erupted. Um, yeah. City line. City line. You city line. Yeah. Very nice wall. Yeah. U, C, and C, O. Yeah. It looks really good. Really, yes. Thank you. That was uh, last... That was just before winter of last year. That was like November of last year. So shout out to C2. Yeah. With C2, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Very yeah. talented guy. Yeah. East New York, too. Yeah. I seem to yeah. end up going back to East New York, you know. Um, I'm not in East New York now. Um, but, um, you know, my heart has always been in East New York. I, I, you know, I, I miss East New York. I miss East New York. You can always go visit, Brad. <laughs> the mayor you know, of East you New know, York. You know, the funny thing is, you know, back in the days, I don't care what criminal was in East New York. I walked East New York two, three, four, five, six, seven o'clock in the morning. I didn't fear anything because I knew all the people that people feared. Now, I don't know anybody. You know, everybody has moved on and, you know, they just moved on, you know, either dead, incarcerated, they just moved on to other things. And uh, uh, it's a different East New York, but still, you know, from time to time I drive through that, drive through the old house. And, um, 
you know, I, I you know, it's 30 years in East New York, so it's a, uh, means a lot to me. Yeah. I noticed everywhere I go, like, no matter where you go, United States, you bump into somebody from East New York, it's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like yeah. a big deal to you, you, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Big deal. You know, I, you know, growing up in East New York, it was like, um, it was like a little town. You know, you knew everybody. Everybody yeah. knew you. Yeah. Um, after I moved out of East New York, everybody's like, you know, you move somewhere. It's just like you could be living next to somebody for five years. You just nod your head at them. And that's all you know. You know. Um, in East New York, I knew everybody. Everybody knew me. Everybody knew my parents. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, they knew who I was. You know, the funny thing about Crime Seventy Nine is just that I'm. It's just a figment of my imagination. I just, I invented him. I, I just conjured him up. I just, you know, and um, I created this person, this brand, and, uh, you know, people ended up, um, at, at one point it got scary because when the, sometimes the brand gets a little bit big, um, you know, you, you know, you get too much attention sometimes. No, well, it hasn't happened to us yet. <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know, it. Um, we're getting there, Brass. We're getting there. You're, you're getting there. You, you, you don't want to go. Try to remember my name, though. Yeah, you don't want to get there. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, so. You are by far one of the most well-rounded and well-respected graffiti writers and graffiti artists. Well, thank um, you. Oh, you're welcome. So, um. Besides, you know, your day jobs, are you doing any art or have plans to do any art in galleries or any shows coming up that you want to tell people about? You know, the, the funny thing about the funny thing about graffiti is that it's, it's these days, these days, these days we're living in a time that um, fame is kind of conjured up. It's, it's, it's made up. We're living in a Kardashian world now, okay, that people are famous for being famous. Um, yeah. Um, it's all about social media like now. Yeah, you ask him, but, but I, I understand who you are, but I mean, what did you do? Anyway, <laughs> you know? So I literally, on my Instagram, I might have, I might have. Hundred people might have a thousand five hundred people on my Instagram, but there's people that have you know started five years ago. They got forty five thousand people. They're like, do you know him? He's got forty five thousand followers. No, he, what did he do? Yeah. So maybe I'm getting old, and I I'm I'm a fair believer that you got to put your work in and put the time in. But in these days, I don't know how much weight that holds these days. You know. And I've unfortunately, been doing it doesn't hold enough. It doesn't hold right. the weight that it should. Right. But, you know, I'm I'm also a believer that those that know, know. Right. Okay? Um, <laughs> um, I was introduced to somebody that was doing a documentary. And I was, uh, somebody had said, they introduced me, they said, do you know Blade? Yeah, no play. Did you do five thousand trains like Blaine did? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I didn't do five thousand trains. Well, because he's well known. He's five thousand. I said, hey, what is what is the most uh, well known graffiti writer you know? Opatura. Would you happen to know that he probably did like maybe six or seven trains? So, you know, the fact that fame and the work you have done and the the, the quality of work you've done. They they don't go together these days, you know. So, um, as far as well-rounded, yes. As far as you know, people that are well-known, you have people that have been around for two or three years, and they're far well-known than me. And that's the world we live in. That's just the way it is, you know. Okay, um, so rebuttal. When rebuttal. I say well-known, I yeah. mean. In the, your community of peers, you yeah. established a reputation where you're well-respected, where yes. before I came on to this podcast this evening, KP, Writer's Revenge, told me to tell you that you are one of, 
his favorite artist and congratulations on your career thus far. It's people like that showing you respect and respect where it's due. I don't even fuck how many Instagram followers you do or don't have. People can buy Instagram followers. Yeah, yeah. I respect well, you because of the work you put in and the fact that you're humble enough, knowing how much you've accomplished, to still come on a little grassroots podcast like Bowery Boogie on Cap and tell your story. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say these days, the or you, you ever heard of the word purist? There are people that are pure, and they, they, we just did this thing just to do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't do this for money. I didn't do this for fame. I yep. just did it because it was fun. <laughs> it was yep. fun back then. That was it. That was the only reason I did it. But people's intentions nowadays are to get a gallery show, to get a clothing line, you know. You get and, fame, fame, fame. Yeah, fame. And... um. I, I never did it for the fame. I, I, it, it, it was not my original intention. And you'll find people from back in the days, the majority, that that, that was that was not the intention. Because no one you know? has ever known that it would become what it has become. Never. Never. It, it would, that was not my intention. Listen, if I had known that was an intention, I would have, you know, I'm hanging out with, I'm hanging out with Dondi, I'm hanging out with Keith Haring, Michelle Basquiat, they're in the same room as me. Can I take a picture with you? That was never, it was never the thought back then, you know? We're smoking weed with Madonna. She's hanging out. I never thought of that. It, it was just never thought. It, it happened organically. It was just happening, you know? Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's another thing. They're like fucking Madonna. <laughs> It, it just, if you look at old school guys that painted back then, that was never the intention. We lived a Tom Sawyer life. That's all it was. That's all it was for me. I just, it was an adventure every day. I just wanted to have an adventure. One day, I would go and we'd go into the tunnels for 10 hours a day, just underground for 10 hours a day, come up and go home. That was the intention. It was not for fame. It was not for glory. The most it will be is like, oh, see this guy did a piece? Oh, we got to go tonight. We got to do a better piece. That's as far as it went. And then it it changed to what we have today. So it is what it is. Um, respect, I appreciate that. But as far as uh, I'm trying to be more famous, no, I, I'm a firm believer that whatever work that I put in, someday someone will say, you know what, this guy, this guy had something there. And it's the same thing with the art world, too. The art world, you know, we'll have someone like Van Gogh. Van Gogh sold one painting. It was years later that people would say, you know what, this guy had something, man. He was, he was ahead of his time. And I'm gone with that, you know. Give me the fame when I'm gone. Not now. I really don't give a shit. <laughs> it was never my intention. It was never my intention. It's not my intention. And I think that today people people chase that too hard. <laughs> yeah, people chase there's that. There's a lot of kings, legends, uh, God, God, God. Oh, I would, I would never use that word. <laughs> Don't call me a legend. Creators, originators, founding oh, fathers. Don't forget that. Oh, no. yeah. It was yeah. That's the thing. a lot of things these days. It's it's a different world these days, and uh, yeah. you know the funny thing is that you, you kind of have to do it. You have to pop yourself up, and you know that's how the art gallery scene works. So as far as the art gallery scene, yes, I do paint. Okay. Yes, I do do shows. Uh, right now, I am. I in fact tomorrow morning I got to go to you know post stuff. So I got to send stuff off to France. Um, I'm a firm believer that overseas is where the market's at. I get more love. Majority of my paintings have been sold overseas, and not here in the states. Um, I get more love from you know France um, than here in the in the states. It's, it's just the way the world works. So I think you know, average guy over there in France will buy a two thousand dollar painting over here. They want to buy a gold chain. Yeah, and just that's the way it is. Um, so I still, you know, I still. You know, I'm in the you know graphic design and printing industry, and but I still paint and you know do things and 
you know, this COVID thing has, has stopped a lot of things. Um, but, um, I have been last few years working on a book and it's been completed. So wait, 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 was it 2021? Yeah. It'll be, um, it'll, it'll be out before it'll be out this year. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Who would think that would take three years to do a book? Um, I'm going on five years. Um, no, you're not. Yes, I what am. It's a collection of um, all my pieces that I've written for Barry Boogie, you know, um, historical places and the history of buildings in the city, especially specifically the Lower East Side, and then a separate, a separate section for all my graffiti interviews, and it is just mind-numbingly tedious. To edit yes, everything. Yes, it is. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you one suggestion. Um, I've been working on this for three, three years. Um, it's never finished. It's never finished. I, I, I can put something else in there. I can put another picture. I can put another story in there. But at, there's a point you have to stop it. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> and there's a volume two. There's a volume two. And another thing that I gotta uh, to tell people out there that people think that you know, the fee writers write a book that it's gonna be a best bestseller, it's not gonna be on New York Times bestseller list, okay? Um, but it's my story, and I think that before I leave, whatever um, you know, I've story that I've left or inspiration that I left for people, I think it's it's, it's important that I put it on paper. So that's that's my. Um, that's my uh, reason for doing it. Okay, well, me and Brass want signed copies. Of course. Put us at the top 100%. of the list. <laughs> yes. yes. I think I'm giving away more copies than selling them, to be honest. Oh, I'm going to buy a copy and support <laughs> you, but I want it signed. I definitely support. I definitely yeah, you know, that's the most important thing. I bought everybody's book. Me too. me too. Just to support. No, the only book I haven't bought, I'm actually going to say, is G-Kid, because that shit... You can't find it, and people are selling it on eBay for thousands of dollars. Really? Yeah. Well, I hope that happens to me. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is that won't come back to me. You know, um, the, the, the thing with graffiti books is that we we because if it's a small genre, you you, you can't print ten thousand books. Yeah. You know, um, so it, there's there's a certain amount that get produced. And I tell people to buy them because in two years it's gone. It's it's not going to happen again. So, um, my my hope that it, it my story gets out there, and uh, well, we will absolutely promote you and help you. I'm sure your yes. book will be successful. And yes, like it, I said, it, I will buy a copy and definitely support you. I just want yeah. you know, and ninety percent of the stuff ninety ninety percent of the stuff I've shot. Um, you know, I was very fortunate back when I was writing that some I had a better photographer, and he introduced me to you know you got to document this stuff. So I was running around with 35 millimeter as opposed to a, uh, you know, an Instamatic. So um, the nice good shots and uh, I got Martin Henry shots too, but uh, majority of my shots. So um, yeah, oh, that's one back. Yeah. I was asking about this question too. If uh, you have an opportunity to do a collaboration with somebody, it could be it could be somebody who's passed or someone who's alive. Who would it be with? Um, you got to be a little more specific. Like if you if, if you had an opportunity to paint with somebody, like you could go back in time, you know, know what you know now, and you go back in time and you had an opportunity to paint with, who would you choose to paint with? You mean like a whole car? Yeah. Crime Cal Dondi. Damn, he ain't hesitating now. No. <laughs> Crime Cal Dondi. I missed it by a few years. You know, they were they were already producing some amazing work before I was able to get there. And uh yeah. You know, I admire Cal. You've heard of Cal? No. What year was he writing? 78, 79, 80, 81. Never heard of Cal. Uh, wait. Did he do something in Highland Park? No, 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 no. No? No. 
Kel was Dundee's partner at one point. Um, again, we're going back to the people that are purists, people that did amazing things no one knows about. No one knows about. So um, look up Kel. <laughs> yeah. Kel first. 78, 79, right? Oh, 78, 79, 80, 81, 82. Kel was amazing. Kel was uh Kel was like an ambassador. I mean, he printed on letter lines, he painted on number lines, he painted with he painted with Dondi, he painted with Satura, he painted with Zephyr, he painted with Date. He you know he um you know, there's certain people that are purists that did it because they did it. Not looking for any fame, fortune. Mm-hmm. But um you know, there's a few of us. That I, it's not that we keep a low key. It's just I, I'm the purist. I, you know, Kel. I would love to paint paint it with Kel and Dondi. I didn't get an opportunity to do that. Like I tell people too, I'm like, yo, there's a lot of writers that people don't get to see. Cause there were so many writers back in the day. It's hard for everyone to know every graffiti writer that was, you know. Yeah. Doing their thing in the town. So some people be like, "Oh, I never heard of that dude." You know, I'm like, "Yeah, but I heard of him, and some other people may have not heard of him." So it's just a crazy, crazy thing, you know. Because it's 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 very fragmented, you, you know. Um, you live in Brooklyn, and you know what the, the the Brooklyn experience that was happening. It was a completely different experience that was happening up in Gunny Hill Road. Yeah, where, like seeing dust and those guys. You know, they have their legends and heroes up there. And they right. mentioned, you know, you ever heard of Matt? I'm like, I don't know who that is, you know. But up there, that guy was, you know, amazing. Right. You know, it's a, it was a, it's a big city. Yeah. It's a big city. So what we ended up doing was communicating with each other. I'd do a piece. It would go up to the Bronx. The Bronx people would come down. And you would see pockets of people. So you've heard the term saying all city. So I went all city. I went to every single borough, and I painted in mostly every yard. Um, and I got to get an idea of everybody's paintings, you know? Um, you know, funny thing, it took me five years to finish high school. <laughs> five years. Why? Did you like it so much? No, no, I did not. I did not. One year, all I did was bench trains for one year. And then notes started coming to my parents' house. I was like, where the fuck is he? He ain't showing up, <laughs> you know? So um, for one year, I just bench trained. I just went, I punched in, and I went to the Bronx. I shot photos. I went to Brooklyn. I went to Queens. I just, you know, bench trained, you know, um, just to get the whole story. So when people come out and they say, I did this train, I'm like, it's probably kind of rare because I've pretty much seen everybody's pictures. I've seen all the pictures. You know, as a printer, um, for Henry Chalfant, I've I don't know if you ever got to see this project that Henry has done. Um, he did it in a local museum where this is wall of all the trains that he, he has photographed. Have you seen that? I'm sorry. Say it one more time. You kind of broke um, Henry Henry has has this wall of trains that he has photographed. Every single train oh, yeah, is yeah. photographed. Yeah. Have you seen that? Well, you ever seen that wall? I have printed every single one of those trains for him. So I have his whole collection. So wow. between the collection and benching trains, I pretty much said seen everything. When someone comes out and shows me a train, I'm like, that train did not exist, okay? You know, because I've pretty much seen a lot of the trains that ran. I can't say I've seen everything, um, but I've seen pretty much everything that ever ran between 79 to 80, 85. Okay. Wait, so why can't you paint with Cal now? I could. On a wall. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like, you know. <laughs> that's, like, that's like Bud Light, you know? <laughs> yeah, but it's better than nothing. I could. And you know what? I respect him. I love him. Um, he's a good friend. I admire him. And, uh, you know... You know, you're talking about people I look I, I look up to Cal. You know, so there's two people that I look up to. Let's get him on this podcast. Excuse me? You can do Dondi to be like that to him. You and Cal, that would be nice. 
Again, these are people. These are people that are purists, and um, you know it's hard to. Um, you know, they, they or me, we do it for other reasons. You know, it's not for. Yeah, not for the fun, fanaticism of it. You know, yeah. you know. But one day we will. You know, I'll bump into him, and one day we will. Um, it just hasn't happened, uh, but we will one day. Okay, well, tell 139 if you're listening. <laughs> tell first. Tell first. Oh, my bad. I thought it was tell 139. No, but the funny thing is that his brother is Mayor 139. That's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> you heard of Mayor? Of course. Mayor is Kel's brother. They're brothers. <laughs> the other two. Yeah, no, wait. Kel first and Mayor 139. Okay, so there's a Kel 139. No, this, no, no, no. There's a Kel first. Which is the Kel. guy you used to paint with Dondi. But there's also a Kel 139, who is who I thought you were talking about. No, I believe there's a Kel 5MH or something like that. What the hell? Is that a passcode? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. No, he's a newer guy, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. where from East New York are you from? You know, just out of curiosity. Hello? Lost, I think. I said, where where, from, where in East New York are you from? Oh, me? I'm from uh, the uh, Liberty side. You know, the IPO2? Oh. What years did you live here? Uh, well, I grew up here uh, from, like, I grew up in the from the seventies to to present time. So I was, you know, I was born out here in the seventies. Oh my God! So hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you back some trivia now. You know, I don't even <laughs> I think have to edit this stuff out. Um, <laughs> like East New York, Liberty three o two, Hardy Boys. Uh huh. Right. Yep. Hardy Boys. Yep. Um, Shorty, Green Eyes. Dumb guys. You lived through that. Uh-huh. Some of them times. Yeah, yeah. I lived through, through all this. I was even before that. I could go back to uh, up from Essex. I grew up with Sex Boys, Montreal Chess Breakers, FFC. Uh, yeah, Sex yeah. Boys, Montauk Chess Breakers. Um, yeah. Let me see. Well, the main. I don't. Know, you might. You might know these. Uh, the Madcaps. Um, the black gangs that were around there on Pickett Avenue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but during my time, it was it was sex boys, crazy homicides. Yeah, crazy homicides. Yeah. Okay, crazy homicides were right on my block on Fulton Street. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Fulton Street. Yeah. That's, course, you know, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. you know that's the the before a graffiti. Um, it was gangs. You know, I grew up with the crazy homicides. Yeah. And, um, you know, the funny thing is when I started graffiti, um, I had to pass the train station every day to go on a train to go bombing. And who was by the train station but the crazy homicides, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't fear them, but I didn't connect. I didn't hang out with them. Right, But right. once yep. I became a writer, you know what? They gave, they gave me respect. And they knew who I was. I knew who they were. Never fuck with me. I never had a problem with the gangs in my, my neighborhood. Yeah, they yeah. I, I, I never had a problem. Yeah. And and they always gave you respect, and we always talking. A lot of my friends were into it, you know. So yeah, I was I was never into it. They, they, they like even when they do reunion stuff, they invite me to those things. I'm like, you know, I was never down with that. I was, I'm full use guy, yeah. but that wasn't my thing, you know. I prefer graffiti and music and stuff like that. So I was like, right, oh. right. Same thing with me, but, you know, um, one thing that when, once you, you know, you, you kind of get make a name for yourself, um, I, and maybe that's part of, you know, why I, I got into it was, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I got respect in the street, you know, you know, eventually Client 79 became a brand and, uh, you know. People respected me, so I never had a problem in East New York. Now, when I got out of East New York, I had problems, but, you know, in East New York, 
I never had a problem. In fact, you know, once I got back to, you know, it's almost like the uh, the Warriors. Once I got back to East New York, I knew no one was going to fuck with me. So I never had a problem in East New York. And um, thank God, because um, I was able to get out of that place, you know, alive. Because, you know, it's just, just recently I was thinking about, I must have buried like 10, 10 people, 10 of my friends, you know. East New York was rough, you know, in the 80s. It was um, it was not pretty, man. That's that's that in itself alone. That in itself alone is another book. It's another <laughs> book. Literally, that's another book. That in my book, I tried not to mention those things. That's a book in itself. That trust me, names will have to be changed. <laughs> oh, names will definitely have to be changed. <laughs> well, we are going to wrap it up. This has definitely been informative, entertaining, and a great time. Is there anything um, you want to add before we, we end? No, you got an hour and a half of content. I guess, I guess you've got enough uh, info, right? <laughs> I mean, any yeah. shout-outs, anything? Where can people follow you? Where can people buy your art? Stuff like that. Um, well, you can go to crime79.com. You can go to Crime79Art at Instagram. Um, but new things are going to be happening. Um, I know this COVID thing has held us back a little bit, but um, creativity never stops. I have not stopped, you know, ever since I was 15 years old. <laughs> um, I have not stopped. Um, so, uh, you know, I want to shout out to the people that are out there that are Still creating art. Um, keep running. Hmm. All right. <laughs> thank you so much, Crime, and thank you, Brad, as usual. Thank you for yes, having me. Thank, thank you very you. much. I want to give a special shout out to my friends over at Bowen Movie. I'd be down with So when they do that, they reach out to Bowen Movie. Yeah, motherfucker, just express yourself. Go out there and get some beat and fucking do something. Next question. Bowen Movie. Uncapped. I'm Rebel Knowledge.